Welcome back to Dynamo's Half Dozen. After a million years away with myself and Ted Irving, where today we are going to talk about an old school pay-per-view that uh, I guess was Ted's last choice, which was ECW One Night Stand, uh, which was literally dated back in June 12th, 2005 in New York, Hammerstein Ballroom, uh, with a whopping, whopping figure of two and a half thousand people. Figures that they get now at OTT, which is crazy when you think about it. Ted, welcome back to the show. Cheers, thanks for having me back, man. Oh, well, this this is your show as much as it's my show, so um, it's good to kind of have the show back in the road. I think this is actually the 10th episode now. Uh, we kind of had yeah, a little bit of a... Yeah, uh, something like that, I think. Yeah, we're a little bit of a time away, but obviously we're, we're coming back with a bang now. Um, we're obviously... We've come back uh, and promised the show that we we did from the last time. There's no point in completing. Uh, we didn't want to be those guys where like, you, you left know, just hanging, left just hanging, lads. Yeah, and you do a WWE where you're like that storyline never happened. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. So uh, what? Yeah. Anonymous GM. There was no anonymous GM. Where'd never you get that happened. Idea? What are you talking about? Hell, last week Randy Orton was heel. No, he wasn't. Um, this week Randy Orton is very much heel. Actually, um, yeah, he's been here for a while now. Kind of seen the rebirth of Randy Orton. Actually, just a nice little segue, which is kind of nice. Yeah, well, you get you get to see him when he's motivated. That's the thing. When he's motivated, he's and he's on. Like he's, you there's, can see why he's the best. There's nobody better when he's on. To be honest with you, it's nobody. Just, he's not motivated enough, or just isn't used the correct. Enough, I don't know, one or the other. I think it's probably a combination of everything. It's probably that uh, he's not motivated enough because he's not used well enough. So that could be yeah. it, you know. But um, but anyway, we, we digress. Um, we yeah. are here today to talk about a pay-per-view, which uh, on the last pay-per-view we spoke about was an ECW pay-per-view, Living Dangerously. Mm. And uh, you had chosen this one, which was a really interesting... Um, Really, really interesting kind of one to choose because it was like WWE. It was the first ECW pay per view under, no, second, should I say, under the WWE banner. But it was yeah. like it was the first one where they were kind of kind of run with the ECW name and have a weekly TV show. Um, yeah, but I think the one previous, even though it was under WWE, was all ECW. This one was like a cross promotion one more than anything. Like yeah. ECW versus WWE. Yeah, yeah, very much so, very much so. Like we we we'll run through the card a little bit just to kind of give a breakdown, and anybody that hasn't seen it, just to give them a little bit of a taste of what we're going to be talking about on this show. Um, the first match, which isn't kind of you know put down here, was actually going to be uh, Taz versus the King, which is more of a challenge, I believe. Um. Then we had Lance Storm going in with Chris Jericho, which is, um, yeah, I oh, don't, no, hang on, this is a different one. Yeah, you're looking at, I think yeah, you're looking we've at got, 05, we've got the, Yeah, we've got the 05 one here, hang on, hang on, here we go. That's all right. That actually, yeah, we had a little bit of a meltdown, just so anyone that's listening, we had a little bit of a meltdown there where my whole, uh, my whole computer screen went white. I got the white noise there. Um, and I got the oh snap message from Google, so let's uh let's get it let's get it going here. 
You could tell that I was choosing that from uh, from memory there because when I was like, no, that's not the first match. Yeah. <laughs> um. So we had obviously Taz versus Jerry Lawler, Kurt yeah. Angle versus uh, Randy Orton, the mm-hmm. FBI Little Guido and Tommy Maluk uh, and Big Guido against Super Crazy and Tajiri, Rey Mysterio, Sabu, Edge, Lita and Mick Foley against Beulah McGillicuddy. Terry Funk and Tommy Dreamer, Balls Mahoney, Masato Tanaka, and Rob Van Dam, John Cena. Obviously, in the main event, this is when Cena was the uh, world champion that could never be beaten. So, mm. nice card. And and I'll give it back to you there, Ted, because I think that's what you were getting onto there, that it was like the first card where it wasn't all ECW alumni, let's say. Yeah, it was all ECW alumni, bar kind of this, the Randy Orton, Kurt Angle, which... Yeah. As I was saying, it was it, it was it was the show was built as ECW versus WWE. Kurt Angle had been drafted to ECW and had taken that, and that that that's who he was. Now he was ECW, and the crowd had accepted him yeah. as that because he'd he'd shown so much desire to be there. So even though he's not technically an ECW guy, he's wrestling as the brand of ECW. Yeah. And you can see the crowd did believe in it and did want them there as 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 their Olympic hero as it was. Well, let's get on to the first match then. Um I thought like let's let's get the show open. Obviously, we won't we won't dissect the show too much. We're going to have more of a chat about the show. Um mm. obviously Paul Heyman comes out and gives a really kind of empowered and passionate speech about well, ECW what he's known, as what he's known for in ECW. Yeah, pumping the boys up with a big speech out the back, and then not paying them, but not paying them. But at the same time, at least he had them motivated when they went out there for you. They stayed there though, and that's the thing. They did. They Um, loved them. So it it was kind of this one. He kind of works his boy magic on the crowd. So he does Mm. his crowd magic here, and he kind of pumps the crowd up for it. It's a beautiful venue, the ballroom, um. And and just to go back on on you know the intro that I gave everyone. Thank you to uh, my my beautiful internet. It was still in New York. It was in Manhattan, but there was actually a little bit under. Uh, it was two thousand four hundred and sixty. So I'm only uh, I'm only forty forty people short on the average on the actual attendance. So it's it's not yeah, it's not, too, not bad. too bad. But it was an absolutely beautiful venue. Um, yeah, the Hammerstein Ballroom, great venue. Oh, an amazing venue down Midtown Manhattan, um, and. You know, Paul Heyman comes out, gets the crowd absolutely revved up for this. Crowd are revved up for it. And what better way to start? Because they have, obviously, Joey Styles come on commentary. Taz comes out. Obviously, not looking as in shape as Taz used to be, considering he's been a bit of a commentator for the last while. Um, Been a commentator for a couple of years now, yeah. Exactly. And Taz comes out, gets in the ring, still has a towel on the head, takes the towel off the head, because him and... He has an issue with the King basically shitting all over ECW. And the King comes out. And anybody anybody that doubts how good a, a heel Jerry the King Lawler was just needs to watch, I think, maybe the first 20 seconds of this, to be fair. I think you'd agree with me there, right? Yeah, well, you can't hear the ring announcer announcing Jerry the King Lawler because the crowd are just so loud booing him. Yeah. It's like Zach Gibson when he comes out. You yeah. can't hear him. You yeah. can't hear the ring announcers. And he comes out. He goes over to Joey Styles first of all because obviously King is now the king of announcing rather than the king of the ring. Yeah. And uh, he he hits 
hits Joey Styles and takes right out of his mouth. Oh, it was a nice slap, and in fairness, Joey Styles sells it like a like an absolute beast. Yeah, the king comes down in in his full, uh, in in his full, I guess what would be the word? Full Uh, garb, the robes, the crown, the scepter, the whole lot. He's just the king, exactly, and uh, gets in the ring. Obviously, someone jumps in and. Joey Styles jumps in. It's Joey Styles actually. Yeah, he follows the king, follows the king down. tries to uh, tries to get the king in the uh, Taz mission, but uh, the king shakes him off, and then obviously Taz shows leaves his back open. Never leave your back open to Taz. Never. If you do that to Taz, it's game over. It doesn't matter. Yeah, game over, man. And that that was it. Was game over. Thirty seconds or so. Thirty seconds. Taz mission. Game over. Yeah. And um, then, then we obviously get on to um, the first kind of, I guess, real match. The first real match. The Taz match. has jumped up onto commentary with with Joey Styles here. Yeah, I was happy with that. I love I love Taz as a commentator. I wish he was still going. Very underrated commentator, but he's back with yeah. AEW now. So yeah, but he's not on the booth really. No, but he uh, he's do Taz. I think can have as much influence backstage as as he can. Um, front stage but yeah hopefully they get him on the boot though i agree i agree yeah i like i like him as a commentator i'd like to hear him back on i'm a fan yeah yeah well the, the first proper match of this this show randy orton coming out to his old music the yeah. legend killer music hey nothing you can say that's the yeah. one yeah great yeah. tune great tune great song yeah and uh out comes kurt angle uh they're loving him loving him they are they're as loud as any uh, any OTT crowd in the Tivoli for this. They are, and that that's what I think you were saying. It's a similar similar number to what OTT are drawn, but that's what OTT are drawn in um, in the National Stadium rather than the Tivoli. Yeah, two but, t- two thousand in the National Stadium is what they yeah. get pretty much every every time. And I think like anybody that's a, an OTT fan out there will will will, will obviously admit that. You know, a lot of their fandom comes from from especially the old school fans comes from ECW. So this, the ECW crowd kind of especially kind of originated they're this kind of yeah. They're very know. similar. Like that. That's what you could notice it. Like you can the noise of them, the passion of them. Yeah, that's. A, I mean, it's similar to the Tivoli. Like when you're in the Tivoli, like sadly it's gone now. But yeah, anyone who who ever got the chance to experience going to an OTT show in there, the the passion and the like the enclosed space and the being so close to the ring and just gritty and grimness of that now the hammerstein ballroom isn't gritty and grimy but no but the, the way, old the old the ecw arena across, was exactly yeah yeah the way it comes across the fans are just as passionate and as i love watching matches like that because even if you don't know anything going into it you're drawn in straight away with that. Very like, much so, yeah, yeah. I mean, passion, passion, and um, like a passionate crowd. Even if you hear it on TV, is still going to transmit yeah. over to the viewer. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, so it pulls you in, like you can't it does. Help but you, be you can, like EC Dub, EC Dub. Like even though yeah. I was never a fan of the EC Dub, it's like okay, these guys are having fun. You know what I mean? You got to give yeah. it to them. Let them let them enjoy it. Like yeah, yeah. Um. But this match started really strong, and it's it was very, very different to how an ECW match would typically have started. Kurt Angle, obviously, an accomplished uh, wrestler. I, I would, I suppose, amateur wrestler is the word, but he wasn't an amateur. He was a bloody Olympic gold medalist. 
So yeah. he comes out, and that's that's the style he wrestled, and that's always the style he wrestled, where he was map based and he was. I loved. Dragging people I around. loved that. I loved. I loved. And that was the yeah. That was the story that Orton couldn't get one up on him. Just couldn't get one up. Every time he tried something, Angle had a had something different. I'll take him down this way. He'll put me in a headlock. I'll take his ankle. He'll put me in a wrist lock. I'll pick it. I'll pick that off, and I'll do something else. It just. The story was just that Angle was just a superior grappler. Yeah. And that for Orton to eventually get an upper hand, he had to resort to punches, and kicks. He couldn't rely on being like, uh, use a headlock. That you can't use that against someone like Angle. And I loved that. I think I think the only I think I think I shared something um like on Facebook, possibly people people that uh that know me will, will uh, yeah it was this week actually. Um, I shared the the opening segment of of a of a Kurt Angle and Benoit match, and I mean Benoit was the only guy. Benoit and Guerrero actually were the only two where you'd see that kind of map based stuff with Kurt, where they were just jockeying for position. And but obviously uh, you got a bit of, you got a bit of it with Brock as well. Yeah, well, obviously, yeah, Brock is a different yeah, yeah. He's, a, he's a different story. But um, obviously, Randy Orton is is the beast here, so. Um, he he wants to go for kicks and punches. Let's um, yeah. obviously it's a great match. It's a long enough match as well. It's like a fifteen minute match, but uh, doesn't feel like it though. It doesn't feel like it, but it's a great match. And anybody, I I do implore anybody to go and watch it that hasn't seen it. Um, Kurt Angle obviously defeats Randy Orton by submission. Um, the only thing I'll say about this is right. This is still Orton as a as a young lad. He's still a bit like he's still. He's not as polished as he is now. I would love to get that match, that Kurt Angle versus this Randy Orton. Oh, I'd love it! Jesus, I know. Hedge. Yeah, me too. You'd never get it, but like when you're talking fantasy matches, no one would ever put Angle and Orton as you know. Like, oh, I'd love to see that. You know? Yeah, but I'd agree. When you go back and watch this, like, oh man, I would love to see that. I'd agree because I think um, I think Orton is 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 up there with the best of all time. Yeah. So and, and as he is Kurt, so I would love yeah. to see that. Um, but he, so, even this, at the end of this, Orton demanding that a second ref come down to help him out of the ring. Yeah, that's yeah. brilliant. You know, yeah. no one ref. That's not enough. What is this? Some sort of fucking schoolroom? Get me another ref down here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's brilliant. Like it's such it's cheap and it's you know, but like why not? Yeah, no, I agree. And then we get on to uh, so obviously Kurt went goes over by 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 submission which which has to be done. Um, yeah. Next match, obviously the FBI little Guido, Tony Mamaluke with Big Guido, um, with Super Crazy and Tajiri. Um, These are all ECW guys. I think this might be the only match that wasn't. Uh... It's it's the the second match that's only ECW guys. Uh, the pre main event, obviously with Balls Mahoney and uh, Masato Tanaka. I think it's the yeah, only like, other um, all ECW match, but this one um, is yeah, like I mean, it was decent. It wasn't it wasn't my favorite match in the world. It's not exactly the longest match in the world, but I think it maybe went on a little bit too long, personally. Um, um yeah. The one thing I did notice, Taz was loving uh, being on commentary for this, getting to put in all the the Mexican jokes and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was, was some like, references you can just tell, there. Like that, obviously, from working with Little Guido and all them for so many years, 
that this is just like the banter that the boys used to have in the back like the New Yorker boys it. like yeah yeah like they'd give him stick about being from New York and Red Hook and yeah, all that yeah, yeah. and then he's obviously giving them all this that and the other but um, the, the one thing I did notice that was Tajiri was playing a more um, a more serious role here and even though like he's brilliant at that and everything I always just remember Tajiri as kind of the comedy guy the yeah. stuff with William Regal and stuff and I, I do forget because when, when I think back on Tajiri that's what I remember I do forget just how serious he was when he was in the ring Like oh an amazing performer amazing mm. performer yeah 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 um, but that that match is um, like I say it, the, who who goes over in that match I think it was um, the full the FBI go over with a uh, double fisherman busters oh yes <laughs> yeah yeah then we had a match which I remember actually looking forward to at the time. <coughs> Sabu versus Rey Mysterio. Yep, unbelievable. Again, both ECW guys. Again, obviously Mysterio representing WWE here, but they they didn't really boo him. Well, Rey Mysterio worked a lot with ECW. Well, he did. Well, that's the thing. I always thought he did work a lot with them, but he actually didn't. He only did a very short stint because WCW came and took him for the cruiserweights very quickly. It's just he's remembered so fondly. Well, I think maybe that I remember was because I was watching some of the ECW TV recently, their TV show, and he done a lot yeah. of stints on that. But yeah, he didn't do a big. Yeah, he was he was only there like a hot minute, really. But they they couldn't, the crowd couldn't boo him properly. Yeah, which they were able to do with every every other. WWE guy they just they, it, that's and that's the thing with Rey Mysterio he's just it's very hard not to get behind the guy he's no such a likeable character like he's a, yeah you know? and like this is a world championship match so you think they'd be hot for Sabu like yeah oh he could win the title yeah but they they couldn't they couldn't really boo Mysterio but it was a it was a decent I mean it was a quick match but like well when I say quick it was nine minutes but what was what was your yeah. kind of thoughts on it? Like I thought it was a pretty decent match. I thought it was decent. Yeah, there was. I know Sabu throwing a chair is kind of like one of his staples, but like one of the ones he threw in here was just nasty. Like it normally, like the lads get their hands up and stuff, but Mysterio didn't even have time with how quick Sabu threw it at him. <laughs> you can just see it crash on his head. Like oh, it's cringe. Like back, like watching it in the moment, you're like that is brilliant. But then you think about it and you're like, Jesus, that could have been. This guy's hurt. Like, like, yeah. Yeah, like I could have knocked him out right from the start, and that's that match over. But um, yeah, no, I, I thought this was a decent match. This is probably one of the better matches I think I've ever seen uh, Sabu in. Um, and I think they went the right way with the the finish for this. The double count out after Sabu um, gives him the DDT springboard DDT through the table because he couldn't really have Sabu lose. But like, you weren't going to put your world championship on him either, so. Well, that um, was that was the thing, yeah. Like you couldn't really, yeah. I'd agree with that, yeah. It was kind of definitely. That's probably been... the best match I've seen from Sabu, to be honest. Uh, as much as I love how crazy the guy was, uh, like his matches tended to be very. There's an old school match out there for anyone that's kind of in agreement with you now that I can probably help you out with. Um, that I had on an old, uh, kind of black tape. That was. <clears throat> it was Sabu and Jericho. And I think I want to say 95. 
95-94 but it was actually in like a bingo hall it wasn't in the typical ECW arena mm. dude check it out yeah like I'm not saying Sabu has never had oh no matches, but just I'm just general, saying like that's probably I think that's probably the best one I've seen from oh no now. that's Jer- why that Jericho one might be better but like in general you don't see Sabu do matches like that yeah you should definitely check it out though Oh, yeah, yeah it will, yeah. Good. Next match. Massive match. Massive match. Um Foley and Edge. this was meant to be Foley and Edge versus Dreamer and Terry Funk. But in the build up to it, Lita had been giving Beulah a bit of stick and you know, insulting her and this, that and the other. So when they all got out there, Beulah challenged Lita to join into the match. I mean, that's not really helping your team's chances because you've got Lita, who's a multiple-times women champion, joining one team, and then you've got Beulah, who's wrestled, what, one match before that? Yeah. If even, joining the other. I mean, talk about kind of, you know, stacking the odds against you. Like, I mean, I know you have Terry Funk on the team, but, like, they've got Mick Foley. The two of them are as mental as each other. Yeah. Um probably would have been better just not to put yourself in there uh, yeah I kind of agree with that one but uh, I loved the build up to this in that like uh, this all stemmed from uh, Edge versus Mick Foley at, in a hardcore match at Wrestlemania and uh, Foley given obviously Edge wins that match and then Foley starts giving them props as uh, you're really hardcore and you're great and you're this and I, I just loved that build up that Tommy Dreamer and Terry Funk were like how dare you say he's this? Like he's nothing, and you've forgotten your roots. I thought, oh, what a what a build up! Like, yeah, you don't see that like that too often anymore. Like, yeah, no, a hundred percent. Like, because anyone that didn't see the build up, like obviously they showed the the build up, the video the package, it. yeah, yeah. But um, it's amazing to think that like here we are, fourteen years later, and Edge is is back M- more than fourteen years later. Yeah. Jesus. Well, that's actually funny you say that Edge is back because I actually have written down here, right? Because before this match starts, Edge comes out and cuts a bit of a promo. And I have written beside it, I really miss Edge. I, I watched this prior to the, uh, the Royal Rumble, so he hadn't actually returned at this point. Ah, okay, yeah. okay. Like, I even have it there that, oh, man, I really miss Edge. Like, so when you saw Edge coming back at the Royal oh, Rumble, it was like... Yeah, I, I popped big. Like I loved that. I was so happy to see him back. I think I think anyone that's a wrestling fan did, you know. And if they didn't, then I don't know, you know. We'll, even we'll, if you're not a fan of the guy, like I, I am a fan of him. But even if you're not, like, how can you not feel good for him? You know, like he's told he's he'll never wrestle again. He has a nine years out before he can get back in the ring after that surgery. And to get just the like, you know, and to come to back told, to come back at forty four years old. Uh, in, in the, the best sh- shape you've ever been in the in. best shape he's ever been yeah and he's gonna go yeah. and have a whopper match I'm sure of it at Wrestlemania with Orton. Randy Orton like I mean yeah. uh, I mean this this could be one where um, they, they, they these two guys can put themselves back in the title picture with this match 100% I think or- Orton maybe Edge I don't think will be going near a title picture I think he knows himself that, that that'd be too heavy a schedule for his neck hey I I think who knows who knows like you, you never know but like I think I'd prefer to see him away from the title and I'd prefer to see him just in kind of dream matches you know like oh yeah Ed, Edge versus Orton 
Orton is a dream match. Edge versus uh, AJ Styles would be a good one. Um, and then obviously you've got Edge, Edge versus Rollins from when uh, when Edge came back to to host one of the shows and Rollins was like, "I'll break his neck, I'll break his neck." Like that's it. You've already got your build up there for that. So there is, there's a lot of matches there for Edge to have if. Um, if they want and I think I prefer that just to like and there's there's a program the there's a program yeah. definitely there with uh, with CM Punk if and when he does come back too because yeah. I mean we know that CM Punk is going to come back at some point I'm pretty sure it's looking it. more and more likely yeah, yeah like so I mean a, a program I mean I would love to see a program with CM I know we're, we're doing fantasy booking now but like I would love to see a program with Orton and, and Punk or Orton and uh, you know Edge and Punk for example yeah that'd be good like I think because Edge and Punk would actually be really good because Edge is really good on the mic as well yeah but that's uh, the thing you need someone who's strong like I thought the the Punk and uh, Jeff Hardy feud would have been brilliant yeah the only problem is that Punk is just way too much like way too good on the mic and that Jeff just couldn't hang with him. And like I say that not as a knock to Jeff Hardy, because Jeff Hardy is one of my favourites. No, I agree. Um, I agree. I'm with like, you. I love yeah. Jeff Hardy's work, and I'm a big fan of his, but like Mike work just is not his strong point. Whereas uh, Jericho like, and Punk was fucking phenomenal, because Jericho yeah, was able to the, hang the with store, him. Yeah, but the story that like you could have with Punk and Jeff Hardy was just so good, because obviously Jeff's had his trouble with drink and drugs and stuff in the past, and then Punk's straight edge. Like there's just such a good story there. But I thought I thought what was great with Jericho and Punk was that Jericho was kind of calling Punk out for being an alcoholic, yeah. you know, like and and the way he was pouring a drink on him. Have a drink, have a drink, Punk, have a drink. Yeah, <laughs> you know? see, there was a great story of this like uh, years ago, Punk and uh, CM Punk and Raven. Yeah, so back obviously that was a play on that. Yeah, yeah, back yeah. in Ring of Honor where yeah. Raven is, you know, drinks, drugs, yeah, all that crack and Punk is straight edge and like that was a monster feud and that's what I was hoping I'd get with Jeff Hardy but obviously Raven to Jeff Hardy on the mic two very different animals well when Punk was saying that Jeff you're a drunk Jeff was probably drunk so possibly but, <laughs> possibly but um, we're, we're getting t- taken off there into our fantasy booking so we're we'll, segueing we'll, yeah so let's yeah, we'll, we'll reel it back into Mick Foley and Edge and Lita versus uh Terry Funk. It was a good match. Um, Mental match. I thought Men- Funk. I thought Funk just was as good as Funk always is. We well, see. This is the thing. Funk. Funk can go like normal, like non-hardcore wrestling if you need him to. As you could see, if you go back and watch his stuff from the NWA. Yeah. But yeah. in terms of hardcore, that guy is insane. Oh, he's like, he's, he's certifiably nuts. That he's guy. more insane than anybody. You know what I mean? Like, this is a man that was, like, 50-something when he decided he had to learn to moonsault. Yeah. I mean, you've made it to 50, you've been the NWA champion, and you didn't need to moonsault then. What makes you think you need to know it now, man? And he's moonsaulting off ladders and everything. The guy's insane. Well, there you go. For all you 35 to 40-year-olds that believe you can't become a wrestler, get yourself down to uh, Five Factory Pro Wrestling or um, the School of Irish Wrestling and let them show you how you can. Yeah, or if you're... If you're elsewhere, Phoenix Wrestling down in Cork, obviously you've got, uh, what's the name? Is it Pro? No, PWU's gone up north. I don't know what their one's called. Oh, now. there's plenty up there. There's Titanic Wrestling up north. Titanic is Titanic one of them, is yeah. Titanic is one, yeah, exactly. So, 
Uh, or if Plenty you want to get yourself to, to the, or if you're in the UK, get yourself to the UK. Um, yeah, hundred percent. It's it's never too late to learn that. And I think every yeah. time, I, every time I watch someone like Terry Funk or DDP, it just reminds me that it's never too late to do anything. Um, that doesn't mean I'll be back, guys. Yeah, just saying. But um, <laughs> this match, that bit with Funk's eye, oh, it's so and because it's barbed wire, like that, anything can go wrong when you're using barbed wire. Yeah, but it's just when you're Terry Funk, you can. Yeah, but it like when it gets to his eye, and you can hear him screaming at Mick Foley, and like I don't know, maybe maybe I'm just being worked here by Terry Funk, but Jesus, the screams out of him, I don't know. I'll like, be honest with you, I think you're being worked by Terry Funk. You know that I've read numerous books. I read actually first ever wrestling book that I read was obviously Dynamite Kids book, and mm. he and he said that there was no better seller on the planet. Than Terry Funk, it was like Terry Funk could wrestle a broomstick, and still yeah. fell sell like a fish out of water. Yeah, and it was just like because you could see the amount of blood around his eye as well, and you could see that the barbed wire had gotten like in there into the eye socket. Like, oh, yeah, it was I was worried. Great. Like, I was like, Jesus, this could be like he could be legit hurt there. Like, barbed wire is now is nothing to mess with. Like, yeah, yeah, of course. Like, you don't take so, any chances. But it, that's uh, what I mean. Like. So, but uh, he gets taken to, to the back, and the crowd starts chanting for Sandman. You're not getting Sandman here. You're gonna get the Madman Terry Funk back. Yep, with a two by four covered in barbed wire that he yep. starts smashing the boys around with. And he comes um, down. Yeah, but uh, in the end, you know, Edge spears Beulah for the big one, two, three, and as I said. What's she doing putting herself in there, you know? You're not a wrestler. You've made the odds worse for your team and it's come back to bite them in the ass. Yeah. A risky move by her and it didn't pay off. Yeah. But, um, uh, I loved that match. It was That's the most hardcore match you kind of see on this show. It is um, because the next match is Balls, Mahoney and Masato Tanaka and it's only like a little five minute kind of show but... It's it's kind of it's all kind of you know just it's it's not a great match. Let's be fair. Yeah. But, um, the best the best thing about this match is when Balls Mahoney is shouting that he wants a few beers, and when the ECW crowd give him one, and Taz is like, "That could be anything. That could be piss." Yeah. Like, and if that's the best thing about this match, I think that tells you everything about the match. That the best thing about it is that Balls Mahoney, according to Taz, may. I've been drinking piss. He may have drank piss and, and rest in peace, Balls Mahoney. Um so we yeah, move we move that that had another wicked chair shot for the tree count. Did you see oh, that? Oh yeah. That but, chair was mangled. But I mean this is still in, in, in you know, we're talking to Pre concussion, yeah. Unfortunately this is the year. Well not pre concussion, obviously there was concussions, but pre knowing the the damage of uh, concussions. Well, unfortunately, yeah, this is the year that you know Benoit committed the atrocities that that he did. So, mm. um, you know, obviously we were still mid. You know, we, we, we're still allowing it. Yeah, yeah. But uh, we move on to the main event where obviously it's one of ECW's own, but like one of ECW's own in the sense that he was always a turncoat <laughs> on ECW as well. So. Uh, Rob Van Dam gets a shot at the WWE Championship. Um, yeah, cashing in his Money in the Bank, one of the coolest looking Money in the Bank uh, briefcases they ever had. Very much so, actually, yeah. Yeah, I'd agree with that. 
Um, they have a lovely promo at the start of this. Really gets you behind Rob Van Dam, and uh, like I just like this. This brought me back because I was a huge Rob Van Dam mark. Like back in the day when he was in WWE, I just loved him. Like, yeah, I liked Rob Van Dam, and this was a good match, and it was a long match too, the longest match on the card. Um, yeah, there's a nice little start to it with Eugene coming out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Singing his poems, like <laughs> which that, was that just was so strange, like yeah. And see, I thought it was strange, and that's they have to bring Sandman out. Yeah, but they didn't have anywhere for him to be, so this is where to put him. Just have him beat okay. down. Just have him beat down Eugene. It gets it gives the fans what they want, which is to see Sandman, and you don't have to have him have a full full match or anything. You know, he's not taking up too much time on the card. So I, 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 I'm glad that that's how they used them because it would have been a shame not to see Sandman on a, an ECW pay per view as big as this. Oh it? yeah, of course. But it was a, it was, a, it was a decent match. Obviously, we knew there was only going to be one winner in this match. Um, you know, it, John Cena. Yeah, well, there had, I think there had to be like Jesus, the yeah. place would have erupted had Super Cena. This is when Cena was at his like, most. Like the most prevalent superpoweredness that he'd ever had. Yeah, I mean, was, you, you, the the place would have rioted, you know. Yeah. Um. So obviously, Rob Van Dam goes over John Cena on this. Um, ends up becoming WWE champ. Yeah. Um. The one thing I did notice, I was watching this back, like, and I was watching John Cena, and like, he was really good in this. Why did we all hate him so much back then? Like, I know it's because he was winning all the time. Well, but, I like, never when you hated go back Cena. And watch this, I never hated no, Cena. No, but like, not just uh, not like personal hatreds, but like in general, he was hated by the majority of the crowd. Like other than obviously kids and parents with kids. They, well, the parents probably hated him because of how much money they had to spend on buying John Cena merchandise for their kids. But <laughs> yeah, that's also overall true. they probably liked the guy well enough. But like, it was it was never like. You know, there was this thing that, like, seeing there was never any good in the ring and stuff for, like, in and around that time. If you go back and watch this, like, he is. Like, there was never a point where he wasn't good. We just kind of overlooked it because we were so sick of him winning all the time. John Cena was, like, a super, super wrestler. 100%. Yeah, yeah no, he was brilliant in this match. And even with Van Damme hitting all his uh, his big moves, the Van Terminator, the Van Dominator, the whole lot. Um, it was just, it was amazing, like... Well, I'm glad, like, because that was actually a really good. I'm glad you gave me that, gave me that pay per view. Actually, just you know, as a, as a, as a kind of caveat to, um, you know, to to, you know, f- I guess going on from the previous pay per view that we we'd spoken about. Um, I'm really interested now because obviously Dynamo's half dozen is going to be going forward, and we're going to be talking about a lot of different stuff in between. But yeah. I think I think once a month we should always talk about a different pay per view and keep this going. Yeah, yeah, man, yeah. As as we agreed to, but um, so I I've got my next pay per view for you. Um, oh, it's gonna be a tough one to match up to this bad boy. It is gonna be a tough one, but I think it's gonna be an interesting one because it it kind of lends itself to uh, to obviously some of the other stuff that's going on with Dynamo's dozen for Podman, all the different kind of stuff that's going on. Um, yeah. I'm actually going to go with, and this is going to be old school for you now. Mm-hmm. I am going to go with 
Bash at the Beach, 1994. And the reason I'm doing that is because obviously um, AEW have obviously had their recent Bash at the Beach and it's been really interesting to see AEW do, um, you know, do, do, do obviously a show on a cruise ship. Yeah. And uh, then, that was good. That was a good show. Which I thought was really cool. So Bash at the Beach 94. Um I think it's gonna be a good one and obviously it's gonna be really cool because you're gonna see you're gonna see Hulk Hogan, you're gonna see Ric Flair, you're gonna see Sting, but you're gonna also see some wrestlers there on that one that are really kinda of underrated, overrated. It's it's actually a really good show and it's a show on a beach. Legitimately yeah, on a beach. Uh, I remember this was a thing that uh, WCW were doing at the time. They were kind of they were going all over the place for wrestling, rather than just the the standard uh, uh, arena or whatever. Like they were, they were taking it a bit outside the box to see what worked, what didn't work. Yeah, which was really cool. So, to be fair, yeah, it was cool. It was it was an interesting dynamic. Very much um, so. Obviously, you couldn't do that over here. Imagine trying to have. A match down on Bray Beach or something, the Stones would be wrecking you. Been involved in many, and it doesn't work. Yeah. No, <laughs> sure feet would be, your feet would be in bits before you even got in the ring. Yeah. Walking exactly. on all those stones. Yeah, uh, yeah. If you got thrown over the top rope, good luck, you're not getting back in. Yeah, forget about it. Yeah. The yeah. old uh, Bray Rails used to act as the, uh, the Royal Rumble rope, so forget about yeah. it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's going to be cool. Um, I think. Next week when we come back to this, we're obviously going to do a little bit of talking about some of the stuff that we've missed out on, and I guess some of the stuff that we have coming. Um, you know, not necessarily a review show or anything like that, but some of the stuff that we have coming because obviously NXT is as as taken on a life of its own since we've last been on the dozen. So has mm-hmm. AEW actually. Um, yeah. And and I think it'd be really cool to kind of get your thoughts and opinions on that. Um, and then obviously now we're gonna have Ireland's first ever wrestling pay per view. Looks like it's on the. Yeah, that that's gonna be interesting. Yeah, yeah. The first uh, NXT uh, UK takeover. Um, presumably we're gonna see the new cruiserweight champion Jordan Devlin against somebody. Yep. Yeah. Um, who else? You know, uh, presumably we'll see the likes of um. Debbie Keitel and Aoife Valkyrie it, being Irish surely they'll have to be on the show somewhere but it's also a takeover show so they'll need good storylines going into it I suppose and if we keep getting the hashtag uh, get justy booked you never know <laughs> you might oh Jesus <laughs> well, again, I think even even if he got himself booked would he just wind Triple H up too much and just get taken off it straight away I don't know <laughs> Man, listen, sure we'll, we'll get Justy. We'll get Justy on Dynamo's half dozen to let us know how we can get Justy booked. Let's let's do that. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd I'd love to see him on it. Yeah, yeah, we, we we can both sit and talk to him and see how we can get himself booked on that one because uh, that would be that would be just that would be the best to be honest. But um, yeah, I'll need to pen. I'll need to pencil in about four hours for that lad. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, especially with me and him, it it it's never. Yeah, short. that's what I mean. Used to, it's never going to be short. It's never short, unfortunately. Even though I want it to be, um, sometimes I, I don't yeah. mean that in a bad way, but just sometimes. Yeah, but you're sometimes like, you you need you need to go like, um, with 
people might be wondering why there was such a big break in Dynamo's half dozen. It was due to, uh, well, obviously the main the main show itself has had a lot of work put into it. It's had um, some really big names on it recently. The likes of um, Tim Storm was on two weeks ago. Thunder Rosa the week before that. Um, so obviously there's a lot of work going into getting these people on. And then the new show, the four Podmen needed to be, um, there was a lot of work going into it behind the scenes to get that up and running, to get, to make the decisions on that. So if people are wondering what the kind of delay on getting this show out was, well, that, that was it. There was just trying, trying to get more, more shows, more content, big guests on the other shows. Um, obviously the links are all there. They're, they're all on Facebook if you want to find them. Um, the four Podmen. The next uh, the next show is was to be voted by the fans. What was the uh, eventual winner on that? The eventual winner was the uh, Intercontinental Champions. There was two. There was two. It was um, best and worst tag team champions. You know, not just best and worst tag team champions, but the best and the worst of the tag team champions. And then it was the same vote for uh, for the Intercontinental title. The Intercontinental won. So. And uh, out of those two, had you been able to pick, obviously, because this is a fan's choice, which would have been the, the I preference for yourself? I would have liked both, to be honest with you. Um, I would have liked to see tag team champions get a shot, being honest, being completely, you know. I, I think, I think yeah, I think they should be given another a shot again. Yeah, because yeah. I think, I think tag they're... team division is is a really interesting division. I love tag team wrestling. You know, when I see when I see teams like you know the Midnight Express and the Rock and Roll Express, you know, mm. and yet the Midnight Express are gone now, and there's still a, a Twitter debate, um, as to how which was better. Yeah, it's like, and yet the Rock and Roll Express are still going and become nine time champions. It's like. Yeah, that's 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 crazy. Do you know what I mean? Um, yeah. So for me, I would have liked to see that. Um, I'm delighted to see that Davy Boy Smith is going to be in the Hall of Fame. Hopefully, one day the yeah. British Bulldogs go in as as a tag team. Um, well, that's what I'd wonder: is it is it going to be Davy Boy or is it is it going to be Davy Boy and Dynamite, and uh, they'll go in as the maybe Davy Boy go in on his own first? Because in fairness, let's be fair: Davy Boy did a lot more. Than dynamite in um, in a singles capacity, but in terms of um, you know tag team wrestling in the WWE, uh, you know dynamite kid and and David Boy Smith. Really yeah, wrote, it's just they, that not they many wrote their own history actually in 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 a lot yeah, of ways. Yeah, it's just it's not that not that many get the the double induction. And I don't know if Davy Boy would be one of the people to get that double induction. Well, so it would well, worry me if he gets a singles one. If that means there's no chance of a doubles one, then Dynamite might not get in. Well, let's hope. That's that's all we can do is hope. But um, yeah, I think yeah. So that's that's going to be interesting uh, hearing about intercontinental champions because um, intercontinental like there's so many intercontinental champions and and there's so many ways that we can talk about this. Um, you know who's the best intercontinental champions that didn't get a shot at the world title. Or didn't get a run at mm. the world title. There's also intercontinental champions that probably should have never held it. That did go on to become the world champion. You know, we we could talk about the Ultimate Warrior, for example. Um, 
that was called a workhorse belt. A lot of people wouldn't consider Ultimate Warrior uh, a workhorse. Um, no. So there's so many dynamics on on that particular. There is. Title there's a lot. There's a lot in that one. But that you I can, hope that tag teams get their their chance to shine as well. Oh, they will. They will without a shadow of a doubt. If I if I need to, uh, if I need to influence fans by paying them lots of money uh, to choose one, because that's the one thing we're never gonna do. The fans will always get the. Be the yeah, they'll get the choice. They'll but... get the choice. So um, they, they, I will never. I'll only influence you with money, guys, not with the, uh, not with you know fixing your votes because whatever whatever we get, um, we choose. Now it wasn't it wasn't a million miles away, but I think it was about seventy eight percent. So it's a bit of a landslide, but at the same time, it was obviously some people interested in seeing. Yeah, well, the intercontinental title is a very interesting topic in itself, you know. Yeah, it's a very important title in the history of wrestling. Um and hopefully yeah. now with the with the reemergence, I guess, of, of the NWA, the National Wrestling Alliance, who um I'm pretty close with some of the guys on that show. Um hopefully that will kinda come into the fore and, and, and give people a little bit of a history lesson on the likes of the T V title, what it actually means, uh, and then hopefully, you know, eventually they'll start bringing in the US title and stuff back as well. So It'd be really interesting um, how we go on that one. But, like, just going on what Ted said, yeah, we, 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 we you know, there was a bit of a delay. There was a possibility that this show was going to be cancelled. But, you know what, we decided we had too much fun doing it. Um, I enjoy doing it. Ted enjoys doing it. And um, we want to we wanna keep it going. Um, it's a chance for us to just have some fun. If there's two people that listen to it, who cares? If it's a chance to have some fun and and allow people to, uh, to kind of I guess reminisce with us, um on so, yeah. on shows like today for example, or yeah if you've never seen this show never seen this this pay per view, honestly, get on it. This is one of the best pay per views I've seen, and looking back on it, I just oh, like I probably I'll, I'll watch that again. Like I know I will because I just the crowd. And the matches themselves just draw you in, like. I would dare say even go back and watch uh, the O five one as well. That was also a great yeah. pay per view, yeah. We yeah, had, it was uh, yeah. Jericho and Lance Storm, if that tickles anyone's fancy, and it wasn't yeah. Chris, it wasn't White Two J Jericho, it was Lionheart Chris Jericho. So, um, back in his Mexico days. Yeah, so uh, Lionharto. So it'd be uh, be nice to uh, watch Le Champion versus. Mm. Uh, Versus, you know, in his old school days with that nice little hair bob that he had. A nice little old um, Ted hair, actually. The top. Yeah, you have it. The top knot. Yeah, it was nice. Uh, I, no, I've never had a top knot like Jericho. No, no, but the year before he had that kind of hair that you have now. The little the little bob. No, the short. Like, the, the shoulder yeah. length. Yeah, yeah. The, the ear length hair, should we say. So that was... Um, yeah, but... That was really cool. It was, it, it was really good... Uh, yeah, really good to be back, and uh, I think until the next time, which we are going to do the next time, next week we will have some, uh, be more of a general chat about some uh, about some wrestling, but until yeah. then, for me, Ian the Dynamo Kelly is over now, for you Ted. Good luck.